HRN. Pause, renew, next. A podcast about soul care, scripture, and stories of faith. I'm Jenny Detweiler, and friends, I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Oh, this podcast was really, really good. There is so much to digest in this podcast episode. I was so pleased to get to interview my friend Kelly. Now, you know how sometimes there are just friends that you spend time with that you come away feeling a little closer to Jesus? Well, Kelly is definitely one of those people. I think you'll pick up on that pretty quickly in today's podcast episode. A few years ago, I heard her tell an incredible faith story, and I asked her to come on the podcast to talk about that with me today. So that's kind of where we jump in in the conversation. But we also talk about her life as a wife and a mom of eight children, as well as some of her thoughts about hospitality. It is such a good conversation. I suggest you stick around for the whole thing. Well, with that, let's jump into today's podcast episode. Well, Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself? Um, My name is Kelly. I am a wife and mom of eight children and just love adventures with Jesus. Yeah, there's a lot there. You got eight children and a lot of adventures, so hopefully we get to talk about parts of that today. I have known Kelly for a while, and I don't know when this was, but I want to say maybe, I don't know, probably four or five years ago, we were in a homeschool co-op together, and we were in a mom's group, and you shared this amazing faith story, and it's really stuck with me for a long time. So I love to do faith stories on this podcast, and so I thought of you and about how this might encourage other people too. So I'm going to just kind of let you take it from here, like however you want to start. Okay. Well, I learned about the aroma of obedience. Um, Several years ago, I was pregnant with my fifth child, and he was a big step of faith kid. I had previously decided I was done with the four. I felt like God placed it on my heart that he wanted me to have more kids, that I was supposed to trust him in that area and that he would provide for us and I wouldn't be doing it alone. And so anyway, my husband prayed about it as well. And very shortly after that, I was pregnant with a little guy. And when my husband was at the end of a fast, he laid down and God said, the baby's name is Jaira and provision. And that went right along with what God told me, you know, that he would provide for us if I gave him this area in this season. And I was just so touched and amazed at that. Well, shortly after that, I was probably five months pregnant, I believe, Um, An engine had blown out on a work vehicle or our minivan had um, given out. We didn't have a vehicle um, that our whole family could fit in. Our finances were tight, and yet I kept feeling like God was putting it on my heart that he wanted us to go to Texas. And I felt like I was supposed to pack bags for my family to go to Texas. We didn't have gas money or a vehicle that we could drive in to go to Texas. <laughs> and I couldn't get it out of my head. And I remember after a couple days of this, I complained to my husband that this, you know, almost like God was harassing me to do this ridiculous thing. It felt kind of like a gnat that I just wanted to swat away. Like, 
stop, stop buzzing that in my ear. There's no need to do that. <laughs> and, and I kept thinking, I think I really assumed that I was hearing it wrong and I couldn't understand why that wouldn't get out of my head. So and, at that point, were you in North Carolina? I was in North Carolina. Okay. And pregnant with baby number five, who was going to be named Jaira, you know, because God was going to provide and we were just as broke as broke could be. And I remember right away, my husband looked at me and he's like, if God's telling you to do something, then do it. And I gave him a bunch of reasons. I'm like, I can't do that. I have all these little kids. I'm tired. I have dinner to make. You know, I had all the excuses. And my husband was like, I'll watch the kids. I've got all of this. You go do what you feel like God told you to do. And so now, was he on board for the whole moving to Texas? What did he think about it? I don't think we were... I don't think we quite knew. We did end up moving to Texas, but at the time, I thought we were going to visit. Oh, okay. To check out whether or not we were going to move there. You know, like, scope it out, see what was out there, see if this is what we feel called to. Um, and someone had been inviting us out. They're like, oh, come visit. And um, But we didn't even have a vehicle. So, I'm like, yeah, maybe someday that sounds fun. But Texas kept coming up. And I felt like I was supposed to pack my bags. So I remember going upstairs. All my kids' clothes were up there. I, I got all of our luggage together. I made my charts. Um, and I packed everything we would need for, I think, a three- or four-day trip to Texas. I was thinking a quick run, turnaround. And I packed it with the worst attitude. I was annoyed the entire time. I, think, I believe I kept thinking of all the other things I should be doing. I remember, like, roughly putting things in the bags, like, muttering, four pairs of underwear, you know? <laughs> <laughs> stuffing these bags full. I just had such a bad attitude about it that I got everybody's bags packed, the kids, my husband and I. I put all of our luggage together and looked at it, and I'm like, it's done, you know, but... I felt crazy, you know, why am I packing these bags? And anyway, later that night I went to bed. It was short, actually it was shortly after I finished packing, I went to bed and I laid down in my bed and I smelled this amazing, amazing scent. And I don't use that many scented products. I didn't, I was trying to figure out where it came from. I thought, is there, there was no candle. It just smelled amazing. And I remember looking, you know, on the back of my bed. I think I hung over the side of my bed. Like I almost, I felt like something really incredible was going on, but I wanted to make sure I was not making this up. <laughs> and I didn't want to leave the spot where I could smell this. It's like I didn't want to lose it. So I'm looking around for it and I can't find it. And my little girl comes into the room and she starts sniffing. She's like, she gets closer and closer and she's like, Mommy, what is that smell? And she crawled in bed beside me and snuggling together and I said, I don't know, but it smells really good, doesn't it? <laughs> and she's like, Yes, it does. And then my husband so we're laying there enjoying the smell and the aroma, and then my husband comes in and I'm like, Do you smell this? And he's like, Yeah, I do. I do. And he's sniffing. 
He gets closer and closer. He's sniffing all around the bed, behind the bed, up on top of the bed, you know, all around. And he gets closer and closer to me. And he said, honey, honestly, it smells like it's coming off of you. And I was just like, really? <laughs> and he said, yeah, like it just, it's the strongest when I'm up, when I'm up near you. He's like, it smells like it's coming off of you. And I had been in the Word a good bit recently, and like what came to mind was when God talked about the sins of the Israelites, you know, and their sins being this stench that reached his nostrils. And then I felt like he told me that that was the aroma of obedience, that that's what he smells, you know, and I realized that when we obey God, we give an aroma that is pleasing to him mm -hmm. without our knowledge. And I haven't smelled it since then, but it was amazing. And I was so full of peace. And it was just so cool that he allowed my daughter and my husband to be there and be a part of it as well. And I think the part that humbled me the most was that I had the worst attitude the whole way through it. Because I'm all about trying to have a positive attitude and telling my kids, you need to do this with a good attitude. Like it, like it doesn't mean as much if you're doing it and you have a bad attitude. And yet God had so much grace and love for me that he saw me just shoving those outfits into the bag. And it smelled good to him. He saw that I was obeying him. None of it made sense, you know, and he understood that. He understood my weakness. He understood the fact that I live in this world and I think like this world, but he saw me, you know, trying to obey him and it was pleasing to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. There are a lot of things I feel like that stick out to me about that. Um, but as you were talking, I was thinking about the prophet Jonah and how he didn't obey the first time and God went and got him. Mm -hmm. And when he did finally obey and go preach to the people of Nineveh, um, he, he obeyed, but I don't think it was with a good attitude, but he still did what he was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think sometimes I think, well, if I'm not doing it cheerfully, then what's the point? Right. But really, I love that story so much because it's like the Lord blessed you just in doing it. Yeah, there was so much grace. Mm -hmm. I struggle to feel God's grace. And I think of that oftentimes when I'm struggling now, you know, I have eight kids and I'm just like, God, I was so excited to have this large family and now I have so many teenagers and I still have little ones and, you know, it's going through the day to day and it's like, that is pleasing to God. Mm -hmm. Even in the struggle. Yeah. I love too that you, your husband was there. So now when you think about it, you, you're not just going to be like, did I make that up? Because yeah. he, he experienced it too. Yes. It's a beautiful picture. Yes. And then I believe, I mean, it was within a month, we ended up, I'm almost positive it was within a month, we ended up moving to Texas. Like, we heard of somebody that needed to rent a house, and we happened to have a house we needed to rent. <laughs> and somebody else said, oh, I'll loan my vehicle, and it'll carry your trailer so you can get your stuff out there. And we ended up moving to Texas, and we used those bags. Like, I needed those bags because almost every moment after I packed those bags, it was very quickly we realized God said move, 
we're going to move. And we just kept preparing to move and nothing was in line. But we started packing up our house. We got everything together and step by step, you know, sometimes down to the wire, something would come through and we got what we needed. And I remember when we were staying at the hotel on the way to Texas the first night, being so thankful that I had packed those bags. Because who had, like, I, my mindset, my mind was a lot clearer, you know, mm-hmm. when all I had to do was pack bags for a weekend. So even that, it was like God, God had grace there where he gave it to me in a bite-sized chunk, you know. It's like, pack the bags. If he would have said, you're getting ready to move to Texas in a month, I don't think I would have been able to pack my bags clearly. <laughs> yeah, that would have been overwhelming. Yes. <laughs> even with five kids, four kids, yes, yes. for sure. Well, something else that's interesting to me about that is the day. So um, I think I was about seven months pregnant when we got to Texas. And I called a midwife and I said, I don't have any insurance and I don't have any money. But my family moved here and this is why. And I told her all the reasons why I felt like I was supposed to move there. And she said, honey, when you started talking, I got goosebumps all up and down my arms. She's like, you need to come in here. And God's going to take care of this for you. God is on this. He's, he's, he's all over this. It will work out. And it did work out. But, I mean, I had never heard of a midwife saying, come on, don't worry about the money. I know you don't have it. You will get it. God is going to provide. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I think it was the first place I called. You know, I felt crazy. But, again, you know, it's funny. I always say, I want to go on these adventures with God. I don't want to live the typical American life. And then I am the biggest coward you will ever see. As soon as something <laughs> starts to go wrong, I'm like, mm, how did I end up in this situation? And it's like God reminds me, remember, you don't want to be normal. You yeah, that's right. You want adventures. That's so. right. Adventures are not always planned out all the way ahead of time, are they? <laughs> they almost never are for me. Yeah. And so the midwife worked out. Um, and the day that my son was born... We were given a van. Like we had been able to borrow a vehicle in Texas. We still had not had a vehicle. My husband was starting to get some work here and there. So we were starting to get established out there. We were starting to get an income, but we didn't have enough to buy another vehicle and pay all the monthly bills. And anyway, our little man named Provision was born and we got back from the birthing center and we got a phone call from our pastor out there saying a couple showed up today or contacted me today and they said that um, they feel blessed by God and they got another, they got a new vehicle and they wanted to give this one away and they wanted to know if I knew of anybody. And that vehicle that we had been borrowing was leaving that day. And we officially wouldn't have been able to squeeze into it anymore because we had now a new addition. And so that's amazing. Yeah. It was like, God. His word really was true, you know, the provision. But we had to go through this long season of like, God, I thought you said to name this child provision. <laughs> you know? We were provided for, but there were, we had so many needs. And yet every time he came through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I like to ask each of my guests if they have a favorite scripture passage, either like a lifelong verse or one that is applicable in this season. Do you have one that's really speaking to you right now? Um, yes, it is right now. I mean, there's a couple. Last week I was reading in Psalms where David was telling God, you know, that he was saying that God trains his hands for battle. 
And that stood out to me, and it just, it really inspired me that God is training me for whatever comes my way and that I can trust him. It's not just me. It's that he trains our hands for battle. And I think that we often, you know, I grew up in a family where there was a lot of fighting. And so when I would read that verse, you know, with that old mindset, I would think that it was more of a physical thing. But when I read it this time, I was like, oh, my word, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. It's against powers and principalities. And God is training our hands for battle. Like, he knows that we're going to go in battle, and he knows exactly what we're going to be facing. And I don't know, that just inspired me so much. And I started praying that over me and over my children and over their school and just over this generation and our nation, that God would train our hands for what is coming, that this isn't a surprise to him. And we've been in training mm-hmm. for such a time as this. And then the other verse that has been speaking a lot to me lately is Second Chronicles 7.14. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. And I just feel like that's what God is calling me to right now. It is so easy, it is so easy to look around and see what all the other people are doing wrong (laughs) and what all the other people need to change and then everything would be better. Uh Uh-huh. You know, like, (laughs) and God does not say anywhere in his word that I have found that if we complain enough and if we put down everyone around us and point out everything that they're doing wrong, you know, like, the world is going to be the world. Mm-hmm. You know, they're lost. They don't know Jesus, and they need Jesus. And and God knows that. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't put the pressure on them on how our land is going to do based off of how they live and what they're doing. He asks his people. He says, my people, if you will humble yourself and pray, it's like, Kelly, if you will humble yourself and pray and seek my face, and turn from your wicked ways, you know, and repent. God will restore the land. God will heal the land. And I just keep focusing on that. Like prayer, intercession is so strong in my heart right now. Mm-hmm. That it's not our job to judge. It's not our job to condemn others. It's not our job to put the world down. The world needs Jesus. We're here to show him love. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, preach it. <laughs> and that's our job. That's right. Yeah. So that's what I've been focusing on. That's, that's been the meditation of my heart. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked about in, in our schools, in our kids' lives, but right now with the election, I feel like there's a lot of polarized opinions, even not just against Christians against the world, but Christians against Christians yes. in different camps. And so, but if we're all seeking his face, yes. that's the important part. Yeah. Yes. And loving each other well. And we're all made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no person out there that is my enemy. And the, it's like the world wants you to believe that. I mean, there's just chaos going on everywhere, but Satan is the father of chaos. Mm-hmm. And it's like the weight is on me. Am I going to humble myself? <laughs> Am I willing to look at what is in my heart? You know, am I willing to take that time and put myself before God and say, God, show me? Show me where I have wicked thoughts. Show me where my heart doesn't line up with yours. It's like the simplest thing in the world that he asks us to do. 
And yet we want to charge into battle. We act like we have the answer. And oftentimes, you know, I get caught up in it. Even in my family, you know, I'll see things going on with my kids and I think, oh, I, I need to do this and I need to do that. And it's really what I need to do is pray. Mm -hmm. Seek God's face. And he will show us. Mm -hmm. He'll guide us. So the word humble is what stood out to me and all that, mm -hmm. that you kept saying over and over again. And I was just about to ask you, what do you think humbling yourself looks like? And then you explained it in such a beautiful way. And it means not thinking that you have all the answers, but waiting to see what the Lord has to say yeah. instead of pointing out and charging in the battle. I think that was a great way of saying that. Because all of us are taking things before the Lord, but we're taking things before the Lord with our own opinions intact. Yeah. So humbling ourselves might look like, Lord, show me. Yeah. Show me what's going on inside of me mm -hmm. that needs to change. Show me your vision for your kingdom and what that looks like here yes. among us. Yeah. And I just keep praying, God, train my hands for battle. You know, line my heart up with yours. Teach me how to pray. Show me what's on your heart. Mm -hmm. Because... That's what we need. Mm -hmm. You know, and now it's it's so clear, but it's what we've always needed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? 100%. <laughs> yes. So speaking of having eight kids, I was telling you ahead of time before we started this podcast that when I think about having the gift of hospitality, you're one of the people that comes to my mind. Sometimes I think we think different things about hospitality. Like I know some people at church that ha are really great with details. And so mm -hmm. their gifts of hospitality are like we have to have perfect flowers on the tables and like all these things. And I think that is also can be a gift of hospitality. But when I think mm -hmm. about you, I think about open doors. Mm -hmm. Like people are allowed at your house anytime. People can show up anytime. Yes. It's always a party and everybody feels welcome. Mm -hmm. So I kind of wanted to talk to you about that because I think for some people that comes naturally all of us, I think, from a gospel perspective, should be hospitable. But I think some of us have to cultivate it a little bit more than others do. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think hospitality means? Like, what does that mean to you? For me, it feels like paying it forward. Like, okay. It is the, one of the greatest joys in my life. I feel immeasurably blessed. You know, and I feel like I have made so many mistakes. I have done so many things wrong in my life and God has been there for me every step of the way and brought me out of really very much feeling poverty, you know, in poverty. You know, I felt like I never had anything, you know, and, and that's not really, you know, that may not be accurate, but it's, it's certainly how I felt. Like I just felt like I had nothing and God has just led me step by step by step. And on that journey, he, he allowed me to walk through other people's open doors. And it meant the world to me. I got to see a whole other world that I didn't get to live in, you know, that I wouldn't have even really known existed had other people not been so hospitable and brought me in and shown me a different way of living. Mm -hmm. And I just learned so much from that. And when I think of that, you know, like, I I adore both of my parents, you know. Like, I just think that they did amazing with what they had. But every parent lacks, you know. My kids need to go and get filled. God needs to fill in my holes. And we need community. And we need other people, you know, that have gifts that I don't have. And I just, 
God provided that for me in a really big way through hospitality in other people's homes. And I remember thinking, I remember thinking as a teen mom, like, I want to pay this forward. Like someday I'm going to be on the giving end. Someday I'm going to find somebody that doesn't feel like they have a place where they feel very welcome and they're going to know where to go after that, you know? And I just asked God, you know, help me pay it forward. Be that light to others, you know? I do not ever want anybody to walk through my door and feel like a burden. I feel like what I have is not my own, you know? Like, I, have, I know for a fact that statistically I should not be where I am. And that is the hand of God on me. And it wasn't given to me so I can hoard it. Mm -hmm. You know, when the widow quit pouring her oil, her oil ran dry. And yet, Jesus can take a little boy's lunch and feed a multitude. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like, I feel more like that little boy or that widow, you know. And it's like, I'm just, I'm going to give freely of what I have because it has been given freely to me. And it feels like, it. I feel such an intense calling for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it is so important to me. Um, I've said many times that when people walk into my home, I want them to feel like their home. You know, it's, this isn't my home. This is God's home. And I want all of my kids' friends to feel that way. And my mom definitely demonstrated that for me a lot. Um, we lived in a housing development, low-income housing development, for several years as a teenager. And so many of the other teenagers at my high school called my mom, mom. And I remember walking through my hallway at school one day and hearing this guy talk about his mom and all of a sudden realizing that he was talking about my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and that made me laugh at the time, but over the years, it has really spoken to me, you know, that she really did that. She really brought these kids in that would just steal from anybody else. You know, they weren't, they were not the kind of kids that you would normally invite into your home. And yet they would walk to my house in the morning to get breakfast sometimes, you know. And she would make them dinner and no one ever stole from us, you know, like, and they loved her. And it wasn't because they got to rule the roost, you know. Um, I wasn't even allowed to listen to non-Christian music. I mean, our home was kept in a certain what by a certain standard, and these kids that lived nowhere near that standard would come in. And anyway, that was that really spoke a lot to me too, mm -hmm. you know. And I just I want my home to feel like home to everyone, you know, mm -hmm. to God's people and to people that don't know they're God's people yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that so much. You, you talked about you had a place that felt welcoming to you when you were a teenager. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about that at all? Sure. Um, I had a couple places. I had an aunt and uncle that just absolutely adored me. And, you know, I got pregnant when I was 17. And I got a lot. I, at the time, I was not walking with God. And I remember when I got pregnant, thinking, I'm hanging around the same people that my parents hung around when I was a kid. And that wasn't a good situation. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was not at all what I wanted to raise my kids around. And I'm like, I am a mom now. Like, I, w 
I was only, I wasn't that far along, but I just remember feeling this weight of responsibility for this other human that I was now responsible to raise. And I'm thinking, am I going to learn from my past or am I going to repeat it? And so it was really funny. I went back to, I started going back to church. Um, and my aunt really came alongside me. I remember she lived probably 30 minutes, maybe more away from me. And she would, she drove all the way to my house to take me to my, a couple of my prenatal appointments that was like 10 minutes from my house. You know, she, she just took this really long drive to come and pick me up and get me to my prenatal appointments and help me step into, you know, womanhood. And just really mentored me, but it was in this very loving, wrapping her arms around me way. And recently I got to see her and thank her for that again. And I was like, I, I remember telling her, because I've just been thinking about that lately, you know, you can surely call yourself pro-life. Mm -hmm. You know, because it is one thing to say that you are pro-life, and it's a whole other thing to connect all the dots to what that would mean mm -hmm. you know like so many times I say something but then when I don't think I don't think the whole way through it and you know I saw the opposite a lot of people that said you know would say that they were strongly pro-life but you know treated me like they didn't want me around mm -hmm. you know look down on me make me feel like dirty you know in church and and my aunt was not like that at all you know and that just meant the world to me mm -hmm. and then there was another couple that um, I had gone to their youth group some, and they they just brought me in. They mentored me. They told me that their house was always open. You know, honestly, a lot of how I have raised my family and set my house up has been from what I learned from them. Mm -hmm. You know, just the love. Yeah, I, I remember joking around with them that they eat kid food, you know? <laughs> I would go over and it would be chicken nuggets, and I, I make chicken nuggets all the time. <laughs> like, we are so in this season, you know, of, of kid food and and just sharing what we have and making people feel welcome. But I just always knew that that couple was there for me. You know, mm -hmm. when, I, when I had something that I needed prayer for, they would pray for me. They said, if you're ever feeling down, you don't need to call us. Just know we are here. You know, they're like, if you show up before 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning, we're probably going to be in bed. You know? <laughs> but, There's um, the one boundary. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's not like they didn't have any boundaries at all. Yeah. And I don't ever feel like I tried to take advantage of that. It wasn't like I was there all the time. But, but you knowing, know you're welcome. Yes. Knowing that I was welcome. Being invited to meals over there. Getting to see a loving husband and wife raise their little brood, beautiful brood of children. You know, they had several kids. And, and it was just amazing. And anyway, I have always wanted to pay that forward as well. That's really cool. Um, because you have eight kids, I feel like I want to ask you about tactics for a second. Okay, like on a real life day-to-day -day situation, what does that look like? So let's start with food because that is kind of a big deal and you're already cooking for eight anyway. Mm -hmm. So um, what are some natural ideas that you have or what do you guys do when it comes to food and you're randomly going to have people over that you maybe didn't expect? What does that look like? Um, I have an instant pot. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. And, um, something that I can easily throw together, um, is a big pot of macaroni and cheese 
it also makes a whole, I mean, I have the really, it's funny because you would think that I'm totally addicted to these things. I feel like I have one in every size. They keep getting bigger. <laughs> so now I can make a huge pot of baked potatoes in a pretty short amount of time. And then we can throw all the other stuff on it. Um, that's a super easy dinner night. So as far as having people over and keeping things not completely ridiculously gross, mm -hmm. do you have any tips for that about how you keep things organized? We have our house broken up um, into sections so that I can tell the kids to go do their chores. And the whole house but the kitchen, you know, the, the whole main part of the house will be cleaned in a pretty short amount of time, at least tidy. We do try to do a deep clean once a week. I call that inspection clean day. And I'm like, <laughs> guys, it's inspection clean day. And they know that that means, like, we're going to dust the mantle. We're going to tidy up the bookshelf, you know. But as a daily, they'll sweep or vacuum, you know, and tidy up the room. But it's not a deep clean. Right. Um, anyway, that helps. That helps a lot. And there are times where they'll get really lax. Like, we'll go through these seasons where... Um, it's like, I'll tell them to do their chores, and then I'll walk through the house, and everybody, quote-unquote, did their chores, <laughs> but nothing is clean from what I can tell. Like, I feel that. It's like, I, I'm thinking, what happened to all of you? <laughs> you <know? laughs> and so when we go through seasons like that, um, I'll often, these odd ideas will pop into my head. You know, I remember one time I had a stash of ring pops. And I remember getting one out and telling them, isn't this sparkly and shiny? Make your chore area sparkly and shiny and you'll get a ring pop too. <laughs> you know? like, just to kind of raise the standard in a fun way, you know, make it fun. But also let them know, okay, this level is not going to work. And, you know, I don't give them out ring pops all the time. I, but when it's needed, you know, I'll, I'll try to give incentive. I also have a consequence jar where... We all sat down together and came up with consequences. Like when I tell you to do something and you don't do it, what do you think would be a good consequence? And they have things like sweep the stairs, clean the windows, wipe down the doors. You know, and these are all ideas that they came up with, things that aren't typically done daily. You know, they, we get behind in them. And so then they have to do this extra chore. And I've, you know, we, we roll the die, but the Lord decides where it falls. Like, I feel like God loves me with that consequence jar because very often they will pick the thing that needs done. Yes. And very, we also have a reward jar, you know, so if they do a really good job, like that's another way that I get them inspired to greatness is I have a reward jar and we, it was the same thing. We all sat down and came up with these rewards and I feel like God directs that so, that so much of the time. I have a mom stash, and one of the rewards is pick, you know, get something out of the mom stash. I can't tell you how many times I have found something somewhere, bought it, thinking of one child in particular, and then I come home, and within the next 24 hours, that child does something just so shining that I'm like, oh my word, you need to pull a reward. And they get the mom stash one. And then I'm like, oh, I just bought something for you, you know, like... It's like God is just all over it. I ask him just like I did with the births. You know, it's like in the day-to-day. -day, God, anoint me for this. You know, help help me to know how to inspire them. And I have a lot, big range of children. And what works for some does not work at all for others. Um, you know, my, my older kids are like reward, talk, oh, well, consequence, you know. Um, but 
for the little kids, it's usually very, very effective. And um, it, it works for the middles too. You know, but recently I was, I stuck stuff in my daughter's purse. <laughs> I had asked her repeatedly, make sure, make sure you don't leave this in here, you know, and she did. And so the next morning I come out and it's all in my space and I'm like, again? And so I saw these binoculars. She's not the only one that left stuff in my space, you know. There was binoculars and maybe handcuffs and face masks and like this. <laughs> I just grabbed it all and stuck it in her purse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it wasn't to be mean, you know. It was like, so she goes to drive somewhere the next day. She got, she leaves and comes back, and she's like, "Somebody put binoculars." And she's putting all of this stuff up, and I was like, "Oh, really?" And she's like, "Oh." You did it, didn't you? And I was like, yeah, I didn't think you really cared where stuff went. Oh. <laughs> That's really funny. She just started laughing, you know? We both got a good laugh out of it. That's really funny. So I want you listeners to know that um, in asking those questions, I think it's good to just have practical tips. And also, I think it's really important for a lot of us, especially moms with kids who have a harder time keeping our houses clean all the time, to know that it doesn't have to be that clean to have mm -hmm. people over. Like, people will feel welcome no matter what. It's more your attitude than it is the space sometimes, I think. Yes. The welcoming attitude. And it's so funny because I feel like I struggle to keep my house clean, you know. And I go to everybody else's houses and I'm like, oh, their house is so clean. It's so decorated. Oh, I feel so ashamed, you know. And yet I was sharing this with a couple of my friends recently and they were like, huh, Kelly. Your house is always clean. I've never even seen dirty dishes in your sink. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I can remember several times that you have come over and my house has not felt clean at all to me. And there certainly were dirty dishes in the sink. And I was like, I think I'm just blind to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, they just felt welcome. Yes, that's what it was. That's what they were saying. Yeah. Like when you walk in, you don't look at everybody else's every little detail. And we see our details a whole lot more than everybody else does. Um, they feel loved mm -hmm. or not, you know, and when they feel loved, it's like love covers a multitude, you know, doesn't it? Though? I always have a multitude that needs covering. So one of the things I'm trying to do this season is ask people about what their daily soul care looks like. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that looks different for each person or even different seasons of life. But as we're talking about the fact that you have Lots of people you're taking care of all the time. Lots mm -hmm. of people in your house all the time. What does soul care look like for you right now? Um, I like to get up early in the morning. Lately, I feel like I've been, you know, I do my best when I wake up real early in the morning. And it's like, I just feel like God has given me a grace where it's like, come meet with me. Like, he knows I need that time. Because normally I would think, oh, I can't get up that early. But it's like, I'm not even setting my alarm clock. For this time and God is waking me up and I have this longing to just draw near to him mm -hmm. you know to get fed and I come into my sunroom and I get out my Bible and I used to color in my Bible a lot play worship music and pray but I've had a lot of other projects that I've had fun doing so lately it's like I just I'm like okay I'm gonna let my kids color in the Bible because it also you know and I have them sign their names oh, you know, neat. because I feel like I'm gonna get to keep that forever and it's really special to them 
and I'm getting my artistic outlet out in other areas. And so it's like, I don't have that need for it anymore, but I have been reading so much more now that I'm not coloring as well, you know? And it's like, so that I just feel like has been water to a thirsty soul for me. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I love doing is working out on my elliptical. Um, when COVID hit and, you know, I, we, it was just at the very beginning, I didn't realize that things were going to go on lockdown or anything. My husband had the intuition to know this. And he was like, do you want me to get you an elliptical? And I'm like, oh, no, I don't need it. Do you want this one? No, I'm good. Okay, I'm getting you one. Do you want, do you want to come with me? To, no, I don't want to eat it. It's like, I, and then he gets it, and it takes me like five weeks to get on it. Like, I had been working out at the Y and faithfully and absolutely loving it. And then my kids' school announced that they were closing for a while, and my husband was like, I want to get you an elliptical so you can work out at home. And it was like, I just resisted him every step of the way. I feel like I could not have possibly made it more difficult, you know, without really intentionally trying to. I wasn't trying to make it difficult, but it's like, I didn't see the need for it. And yet, when I got on it, it, it was just so stress relieving. And I have absolutely loved it. And then the other thing that I have really found that has been so feeding to me is meeting for prayer at my kids' school um, every morning after you know school starts, a couple of us, a little group of us, have been meeting together and walking around the kids' school outside and just praying over the kids, you know, giving our kids to God, giving our families to God, asking Him to anoint the teachers, you know, just praying scripture over them that the kids would have understanding minds, you know, that, that He would train their hands for battle, that, that He would prepare them in this season for what they need, that when they leave this school, you know, that they will be ready for the destiny and the calling that he has on their lives. And, you know, it's like I can go to that school after a crazy morning trying to get all my people out the door and feeling totally frazzled. And like I have nothing together and I have nothing to give. And and then we start walking and praying. And by the end of it, I just feel so inspired and have this peace that God is with me. He's got everything. It's like I, I took all of my worries, all of my concerns, and just laid them at his feet and left them there. And trusting him with everything that I was trying to carry, you know, that isn't in my control. And that recently has been the most soul-inspiring, comforting, you know, thing that I have done. That's really good. Thank you. By the way, on a side note, after we talked about your elliptical, I started working out more myself. Because I was like, is that really helping your stress? I preach that all the time. I know exercise is really good. Also, it's hard to fit it in. So, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> But I have been trying, and I don't have an elliptical. Mm -hmm. I do have a little stand-up thing. I use it sometimes. But I've been taking more walks, mm -hmm. and being outside for me has been really helpful too. So we live kind of in the middle of nowhere and walking up and down. A hill, it's more like hiking than it is walking, and so mm -hmm. I really get my blood pumping, and that has been really helpful for me. That's wonderful. So, yeah, you were inspiring to me, so Aww. thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Is there anything else you wanted to say that I didn't give you a chance to? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well, it was so good to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Friends, wasn't that so good? I hope you came away from this conversation feeling encouraged in your faith 
and also in your ideas about hospitality. There was a lot in that information to digest, I know, and I hope that it gives you something to think about for a while. Thanks again, Kelly, for coming on the podcast and for sharing your story. I so enjoyed our time together. Well, friends, if something about this conversation resonated for you, I'd love to hear about it. You can write a comment under the show notes of today's podcast episode on the website, pauserenewnext.com, or join the conversation on our Facebook page. You can find Pause Renew Next on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and you can find the podcast on almost any podcasting app. Please subscribe and share. Well, that is all for today's podcast episode. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN, Pause, Renew, Next, the podcast. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus. Jesus.